0: Welcome to the Person and the Power Podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Well, good, bad, or ugly, I have always been one to take risks. Most of them, not the safest and not the smartest, but I have always taken risks. I remember still, to this day, a a time where the family took a vacation to Cumberland Falls State Park in Kentucky. And I still remember the wooden fence. I don't remember it going very far. I just remember I was maybe nine years old, ten at the very most. But I remember that wooden fence that was supposed to keep 10-year-olds like me from going on the other side of a rock cliff that fell into the Cumberland River that fell into the Cumberland Falls. So, But I just remember thinking that I just needed more space to explore. I needed more room to be me. So I went around I don't think he even had to crawl over or through. I think I just went to the end. I walked to the end of this wooden fence and walked around it. And then I made my way along the ledge. I remember the blood-curdling scream from my mama to this day. In fact, I think I remember she dropped to her knees and almost like assumed a fetal position because she thought I was, I was a goner. And I just simply remember looking up, and I remember Daddy being madder than a hornet, saying, "Get over here, boy!" And so I think that's when I did crawl through the wooden fence, or under it, or maybe on top of it, over it. But I was, I've always been one to take those kind of risks. I grew up wanting to be a stuntman. That was what I wanted to do with my with my life. That's how I wanted to pay back. Uh, I guess. Uh, my debt to the world or make a contribution to the world is to be a stuntman. I, I really did. I, I practiced at home these incredibly stupid, like stupid stunts that, end, praise God, not seriously injured. For instance, I wanted to learn how to have a bicycle wreck because, again, as a stuntman, I saw a few movies back in the 1970s, where you had motorcycle wreck. So if if I figured if I knew how to have a wreck from my bicycle, then I would know how to fall and how to have a wreck on a motorcycle. I still remember getting enough speed going down a hill as fast as I could on my little you know two-wheeled bicycle, and purposely. That's the key word here. That's the key word, friends. Purposely ramming the bike into a stump, pretty large stump, flying over the handlebars, flying into gravel. Yep, gravel. And watching my bike skid past me as I'm sliding on gravel as well. And here's the real smart part. I did that more than once. Yeah, I know. Just, I can feel, I can see you. Some of y'all shaking your heads. So yes, that was me. I wanted to experiment uh, with this. It it got worse. Uh, I remember watching, it was a war movie. I don't know. I think it was The Great Escape. Some of you out there might say, oh yeah, yeah, Steve McQueen. I think that was it. I remember watching it with my daddy. And one day, as I was watching, I remember the scene where Steve McQueen was trying to escape. And as he was leaving the compound on this little motor motorbike this motorcycle this maybe even a moped almost but this little german bike i guess he he was put, putting down this road as fast as he could apparently trying to get away from the camp the POW camp he was in and the germans had stretched a wire across the road to catch him trip him up to uh, not to necessarily kill him or decapitate him but to to keep someone from and it was a thin wire but it was thick enough where um, finally as soon as you were upon it you could see it but it would knock you off the bike well that's what exactly what happened to Steve McQueen and so he was caught back he was taken back into the um, back into the compound into the POW camp so <laughs> I decided to try that with mama's clothesline. Yeah. With mama's clothesline. So if my memory serves me now, now we're talking 11, 12, surely to goodness old enough to know better, but no, nope, not yet. So I remember getting a, and I did not own um, any kind of um, a gas powered motorbike or dirt bike. I didn't own anything like that. So I had to have borrowed it from someone. But I do remember being on a little kind of a bike of some kind. Not not a pedal bike, but a motorbike of some kind. And yep, (laughs) on purpose. Can we say purpose? Oh my gosh. I, I look, I tell these stories and I think, A, why am I still here? B, why did I do that? Oh my gosh. Young and dumb. Young and dumb. But... I took that motorbike, yep, and I purposely uh, ran into Mama's clothesline, and I'm not sure how, I think I was able to let the line down somehow, I can't remember, but I do remember it hit me right, uh, right near the eyes, actually like right on the eyebrows, and took me off the bike, I mean, Steve McQueen, eat your heart out, (laughs) so I... And the bike kept on going. I remember it ran into a fence. Uh, the one of the we had a fence that separated our yard from the neighbor's yard. So it, I remember it ran into a fence. But I am lying there with a, a strip of uh, uh, a welt across my brow and uh, my brows. And and uh, yep, that's not all. <laughs> that's not all. Every good stunt man. Every good stunt man. Right has to learn how to fall, has to learn how to fall from a pretty far distance. I thought every good stuntman had to learn how to fall to the ground if his parachute (laughs) didn't open. We We lived in a two and a half story house and you could crawl out, I could crawl out my bedroom window and come to the roof and I would spend many a night there, summer nights looking at the stars and i um, looking at the moon and it's just, that's just, I laid on top of the flat roof that was uh, kind of jutted out from the, uh, from my room. And, and then you could go, if you wanted to take a little chance, imagine I, that I would, then you go over to the other side where it's slanted. If you take a running, you know, you just start running downhill on the slant of the roof, then you would land in the backyard, right? <laughs> so one day, I remember as clear as yesterday, I knew without a doubt exactly how to tie the four corners of that bed sheet together so that, in fact, I even folded it, guys, friends. I folded it so I could get enough air, you know. It wasn't just a single bed sheet, it was a double bed sheet, so I could get even more air and just float kind of harmlessly to the ground. But I, then I would learn how to stop, you know, how to drop and roll you know, after falling to the ground or <laughs> parachuting or whatever the case. Do I even need to finish the story? I took a running uh, leap off of that port, off of that roof. Uh, again, a two-story roof with a bed sheet tied around my armpits and my elbow and holding. I held two of the corners, stretched out my hands, right? And the other two I had tied underneath my armpits. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, it didn't work. How I didn't break a leg or, an, or my neck, for goodness sakes, so or my back, I don't know. I'm going to be 59 here next month and uh, I don't have a back issue, praise God. I'm not sure how or why that happened from when I was, you know, again, 12, probably, again, 10, 11, 12 years old. That jar right there could have done it for life. I don't know. It's crazy what I've done in my life. Taking those risks, you know, I just always have taken those risks. And it continued in high school. Uh, junior high school and, and even in the high school, I remember still. Now this is junior high. His name was Mr. Bernard, great teacher. I think it was a social studies teacher, great guy. I think it was at TK Stone um, uh, at middle school, and uh, so I was there. Uh, and again, seventh grade, maybe eighth grade, something like that. We are heading to lunch, and a friend of mine turned around. He was in front of me. Turned around. We're not supposed to talk in line anyway, but he turned around, and whispered. I dare you. Literally, like a double dog dare you. Yep. Like, like Ralphie on, or who is it with, um, uh, they stick their tongue to the cold flagpole. Somebody's shouting the name right now. I can't think of the name, but, but you know, you know, what I'm talking about. And so I would say uh, he would turn around. He said, I double dog dare you to call Mr. Bernard, Mr. Barnyard. Well, you know, here, here I am, Timmy Johnson, Living on the edge. That's me. (laughs) So as we're walking to the lunchroom, I said, how you doing, Mr. Barnyard? (laughs) Within half a second, I mean, literally within a half a second, he says 500, maybe a thousand. I can't remember the number, but however many sentences. Remember the time, remember the day, some of y'all remember the days when we would write, our our punishment was to write the same sentence over and over and over and over on the chalkboard. Remember that? And I remember the pretty sure the sentence was my teacher's name is Mr. Bernard. My teacher's name is Mr. Bernard. My teacher's name is Mr. Bernard. And I had to stay. Yep. Remember a good old fashioned stay after school. I had to stay after school and write easily 500 times, maybe a thousand. I don't know. It felt like 5 million by the end. You know how the your fingers, if you might remember writing on a chalkboard and oh my gosh, I still remember to this day uh, how my fingers, the, the dent. I still think I have the dent of the piece of chalk in my right forefinger. I'm looking at it. Yep, there it is. Anyway, so that's another one. Here's another one. I'll try to I'll just I'll end with this one and then we'll jump into scripture we're just believe it or not we're still talking about Romans six okay we are this is this is going to tie in perfectly I think with Romans six so hang tight okay but let me tell you one more story so once again it involves a teacher it involves a teacher with a name that starts with a B mr Bayard mr. Bayard uh, he was such a he was such a hoot he retired I think we were the ones that made him retire but I want to say junior year could have been senior year in high school, but definitely junior year i and so I dated for a brief time I dated a uh Lori cook I dated she was a basketball player uh, on the, the girls basketball team at etown high school and during that brief time I got to know the girls' basketball team pretty well just a I just love those uh, ladies and nina Parrish, uh denine um um uh, Carla English, I want to. It's Valerie. I'm trying to remember some of the names here, but uh, so. But we would play poker. Yep, poker in the back of so. Now this was social studies. I am positive this was social studies class. Mr. Baird taught social studies. Mr. Baird was a wiry five six, of uh, maybe 64 year old man, farmer by by afternoon and by weekend teacher by trade. I guess. During the day, mornings and afternoons, and he just had this way about him. He kind of walked with a little bit of a lurch. Uh, again, wiry, skinny guy, but boy, he, you wouldn't want to tangle with him. You could, you look, he looked like he could take you. But he always said, "You birds, you birds, you, you birds. You better straighten up, bird. You birds. <laughs> That's what he would do. You better straighten up, you birds." And I was one of the probably the top bird in the class, right? Because I'm just a mess. Of, uh, I wasn't a great student. I never never applied myself until until I got into seminary. The difference? Born again. So now I'm in love with Jesus. Now I want to learn. But in my most of my junior high, senior high, and definitely my college years, I did not apply myself the way that I should have and could have. So I'm in junior high, senior high social studies. And we were playing poker. And he'd catch us. Now, how we play poker, you know, there'd be, you know, the, the very back rows, right? And uh, the, it, it, if you can imagine two of six or eight rows and a fairly large classroom and the last two and then the two above, right in front of the last two, there's your four. There's your, and every now and then if we got really kind of, uh, if we got really risky and we got really courageous, we would actually switch with other players like in different rows. While he had his back and writing on the board, and we would switch so other ple- people could jump into the game. <laughs> yeah, that's what we did—poker in the back of social studies class with Mr. Baird. And so he, um, we were talking. He, we got caught many times. So many times we got caught playing poker. This one time, I don't remember who. I want to say it was Eddie Wilkerson. And now Eddie Wilkerson—that's that's a. Story a podcast for another time. He was one of my bullies at the time, but later became a friend. And um, but again, he was one of the bullies uh, at the time. And I think it was I think it was Eddie that once again dared me, and maybe even Triple Dog dared me. But he dared me to join the poker game. And I was like three or four rows away, I think, at this point. So the girls were playing, you know, the, uh, the girls' basketball team. There they are playing poker. And as we often did in the back of Mr. Baird's social studies class. And so I'm like two or three rows away. And, and Eddie said, I dare you. So, so here I am. And, and so I would, you know, squeeze my way in between desk, you know, and try to slide in. But you had to get the other person to slip out too, right? And you had to kind of get their attention. So psst, psst, hey, psst passing notes, whatever. Finally, I got, I can't remember if it was Nina Parrish or who it was, but I got someone's attention and said, switch. Hey, switch. And we we're about ready to switch. But, but as I got up to go shoot across the desk, it's kind of like a first baseman for you baseball fans. It's like a first baseman trying to guess the pitcher's move so that they can they can take second base. They can steal second base. And if you guess wrong, you're either going to be picked off at first or the catcher is going to pick you off at second. Yeah, Mr. Baird picked me off. He turned around, dead in my tracks, looked right at him. He looked at me. He said, you bird, go to the principal's office. <laughs> Gosh, I don't even know why I wasn't suspended. It was I don't even know why, but I wasn't, praise God. I finished high school and uh, somehow or another became a productive citizen in this in this good old country. Praise be to God because I think born again had a little bit to do with it. So here we are, Romans 6, and here's where all this makes sense. I promised it would make sense, all right? At the very end of Romans 6, you find this famous, it's a famous passage. In fact, uh, have you ever heard of Rome, the Roman road, right? A lot of times, especially if I remember, uh, probably in the 1980s, maybe 1990s, there was a, a tr- some tracks, you know, the, the little handouts called the Roman road and Romans 3 and Romans 6. And, and Romans 6, it's, it's, it's part of the Roman road, the Roman road to salvation. Romans 6 says this, 23, for the wages... Some might say wages. We're going to come to that word. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, we, we stopped off at, at verse 18. And 19, 20, 21, and 22 is kind of a repeat. What Paul does a lot is rephrase this argument. It's so important. It is critically important. You were slaves to your human wickedness, your human nature. Now you're slaves to righteousness because something happened. So you were bound. You are now free. You were doing things that you'd be ashamed of. You are now. Uh, you are an instrument. You're using your instrument, uh, instruments of your of your life, of your tongue, of of your actions for holiness and righteousness. So, he repeats that in a different kind of way. But then. This is a new thing he introduces, all right? So this is a new, in fact, one of the first things he, he talks about sin is dead earlier, interestingly, but he says the wages of sin is death. Oh, so sin is dead earlier in Romans 6, but the wages of sin is death now. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So got to understand a couple of things. The power of sin is dead. Meaning, when we submit ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit, this podcast is really centered and umbrellaed under the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, as we surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, how does that happen? Well, we come to Christ. We're born again. The Holy Spirit uh, uh he takes an old nature out of us and 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 applies the blood of Jesus to do that and then he we're, we're changed we're we're given a new nature the the nature of Christ that's the miracle of the cross that's the miracle of of substitutionary atonement that's the miracle of second corinthians 5:21 he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Wow, that's my power verse of all power verses. So in this this Romans 6 beautiful passage of Scripture, sin, we learned earlier, was dead. Kind of like a possum, remember? Two, three weeks ago, we talked about the possum being dead. So sin's dead, the power of sin. However, if you choose sin, if you still choose sin, if you put a wager, in fact, that's the word, wager. This word wages is not necessarily a paycheck, but it is. It it has that double meaning. It is what you've earned. But it's also a betting phrase, like a wager. You put a wager. Aha! Based on my life as a kid, I took risks. I bet on things. I bet that I could learn how to slam a a bike into a tree stump and not break my arm. I wagered that I could jump off a two-story house with a bed sheet and land safely floating down to the ground. I did not. I wagered that I could uh, get uh, called Mr. Bernard, Mr. Barnyard, and not get in trouble. I lost. I wagered that I could switch rows and get into the poker game in the back of Mr. Baird's uh, social studies class and I lost that wager. I got caught over and over and over. I look back on my life and I, I I wagered things. I took risks. And this is what this means here. This passage is really kind of almost a, if you could almost put it into a betting parlance, uh, where it talks about if you put your life, if you bet your life on sin, even though the power of sin is dead, the consequences of sin, come on, is Oh, so real. In fact, so real, it's death. Interestingly, isn't it ironic that the power of sin is dead, and yet the consequences of sin can still bring death. And that is certainly the truth. And we know that death is to be separation from God forever. And, and, and that, that is what this, these wages are, uh, and the wager that we place. So we have to choose. We have to kind of place a bet, right? Right? We have to place a bet. Are we going to allow sin to have power in us? Or are we going to trust in Jesus for another outcome? All right. So as we wrap up last couple of thoughts here, I was in seminary when I heard of Pascal's wager. Pascal, Blaise Pascal, 17th century mathematician, philosopher, And he put it basically this way. Now, this is the Kentucky Pastor Tim Johnson version of this. But he says this. If there is a heaven or hell, we have to choose. You have to wager your life on that. If there is a God or if there isn't, you have to wager your life on that. The wager is this. If I wager my life that there is a God, here right now, and if I wager my life that there is a heaven and a hell, and I live my life trusting in God as if there is a heaven. And at the end of my life, there isn't, there is neither heaven nor hell. I end up in a pile of bones. That's it. What have I lost? Absolutely nothing. I've wagered it's a safe bet. Pascal would say that's a safe bet. Or that's a, Yeah, I mean, you, it's, it's a safe bet. Now, if, on the other hand, Flip it. Reverse it. There is a God at the end of all this. There is a heaven and a hell. And how I live my life now determines my eternal destiny. But I choose not to live as if there is a heaven and a hell. I bet my life. I place a wager that there is no God or there's another way to heaven and hell besides through Jesus Christ. And I place that wager. But at the end, heaven and hell are real And Jesus is the only way. What have I lost? I've lost everything. Pascal would say, choose wisely your wager. And I think this is that passage of scripture. We can can place a bet that our sin won't lead to death. But friends, that, that bet is not a safe bet. It's a risky bet and it will end in devastating consequences. The safe bet the safe wager, I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. And I'm all in. All my chips are in. And I believe he is true enough to keep that bet. I hope and pray you've made a good wager. Tell others about the wager. The wager, the best bet, the safe bet, is on Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you, friends. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Frimmer's Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.